2023, Australia's date with EV destiny. The combustion to electric vehicle tipping point is getting closer, and 2023 is the pivotal year with a slew of new zero emissions models due here in the next 12 months. As the EV train adds extra carriages, will you be getting on board? Uh, welcome. I'm Cars Guide Deputy Editor James Cleary, and joining me on the podcast panel to discuss the significance of what appears to be an automotive moment in time are key contributor Dave Morley. Hello. Excuse me. I'm just doing a little bit of fun, a little bit of maintenance. <laughs> okay. And and the man whose story got this podcast ball rolling, news editor Tung Nguyen. Hello, everyone. How's it going? All right. Now. We'll also cover off uh, this week in news and take a look at a cool but failed Toyota experiment, a murk out of its natural habitat, and a suitably quirky French hatch in cars in the garage. So stay with us. But before we get started, shout out to Melissa Wade, who said, hey, guys, big fan, just as we were wrapping up last week's stream and we missed it on air. So thank you, Melissa. Um, Tung. The catalyst for this discussion is yes. your opinion story, and EVs will not only be more plentiful next year, but mm -hmm. more affordable as well. Kick, kick us off with your, your thoughts. So, you know, we've all known that Australia has lagged behind, um, you know, many parts of the world when it comes to electric vehicle adoption. Um, many car brands are just hesitant to bring out these models to Australia because they know that they're not going to sell all that well. Well, I've done the research and next year there's going to be no less than 20 new electric cars that are coming to Australian shores. 20. Um, you know, that's going to essentially double the range that we have here. And it's not just, you know, when you think electric car, you think expensive, you think high end, you think the likes of, you know, Audi e-tron, Mercedes EQC, Porsche Taycan. Um, but of these 20 models, it's actually quite a wide, uh, wide range of cars yeah. on all, you know, across the entire um, spectrum. You've got, you know, the, the smaller inner city runabouts uh, that are going to presumably be a bit more affordable, like a Fiat 500e. Yep. Um, GWM wants to bring in its Aura Good Cat. I it's think Aura it's called good, overseas. Aura Good Cat. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Look, the name's probably going to change when it comes to Australia, but regardless, it's a, you know, it's a small hatchback with um, limited, limited range and it's going to appeal to those people who live in a city. We've got things like Kia EV9, which is going to target the Toyota Land Cruiser. Um, you know, LDV have confirmed an ET60 Ute that they're going to launch before the end of this year. Before um, the so end of 2022, be, right. Before yep. the, yep, absolutely. November, November is the launch date for that car. We've got like commercial vehicles, like vans, and, you know, Peugeot wants to bring something like an e-partner, yep. um, you know, to showrooms as well. So, and there's, there's sports cars. There's going to, you know, the Cooper Born, the Hyundai Ioniq 6. Basically, if you're in the market for a car, you know, by the end of next year, there's going to be something that is going to pique your interest. D Dave, you're a person who's been around the electronic block um, a few times. Where do you stand on this proposition? Do you, do you think that influx of new stuff is enough to, to tip us over? Look, I hate to uh, accuse anybody of rolling the arm, Tung, but, you know, um, <laughs> this is a bit of a no-brainer for me. I think, you know, as we go forward, we will be getting more cars. They will be getting cheaper. Um, but you're right. I mean, 20 new models, that's that's pretty impressive, isn't it? And and it is the natural way of things. And whether whether you like it or not, it, it's what's happening. You know, yep. get used to it. Uh, we got we got word uh, this week in Victoria that uh, the privatised coal powered fire, uh, power station uh, is will be closing down uh, ten within as much as ten years earlier than it would have. Uh, it's just not viable to keep that old 
dinosaur chugging yep. away on coal anymore. Um, the yep. maintenance, the upkeep is 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 made has made it um, non non economically viable. It's in private hands. Guess what? It's it's for the scrap heap. Wow. So mm. you know things are changing, whether we like it or not. Yep. Yep. I mean, it's not to your point, Tung. It is a real breadth uh, of offering. Um, mainstreamers like Subaru, Solterra, and mm-hmm. the uh, rolls off the tongue, tongue very easily. Uh, the Toyota BZ4X um, <laughs> is another one. We, you, you're calling it maybe mid 2023 or before the end of 2023 for those two as well. Yeah, absolutely. They've earmarked um, yeah mid 2023 launches for those two cars. Um, you know, it's it's tough to sort of pin down at this point, isn't it? You know, we're more than six months away from a launch um, from the launch of a car like that. Uh, there's so much that can happen before then. Um, you know, stock supply shortages. Uh, you know, yep. semiconductors. Global pandemic is still sort of happening. These are all just penciled in for now. But yes. interesting that you bring up those two models because they join, you know, Kia EV6 and uh, Hyundai Ioniq 5 and Tesla Model Y yep. as a midsize all-electric SUV, yep. which is, you know, one of the largest segments in the country at the moment. And if you're yep. a family of three or four and you're thinking, well, what's my next car going to be? Should I wait for a Toyota RAV4 hybrid? Well, chances are you might be able to get into an all-electric are yep. of a similar size even sooner. And tell me, Tung, question without notice, the MG4, mm-hmm. is that classified as a hatch or an SUV? I believe it's a hatchback. Hatch. So, so it's going it's to be, going to be around. some leaf size. Yep. Yep. Um, so yep. that's a big one. You know, with the impact that MG has made on the market, for it to, to hit with the MG4, which is a, a pretty sleek-looking thing, Renault's mm-hmm. going to have, uh, I think it's the Megan RE Tech. Uh, maybe uh, so. Yes. So coming out of the clouds, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. every single car brand essentially is going to have a full electric car somewhere in their showrooms in the next, you know, twenty-four months or so. No, well, one if, of, if, sorry, oh, sorry, Dave, go for it. I was going to say, if, if they don't, it'll be like it'll be like an SUV ten years ago. If you didn't have an mm-hmm. SUV in your yes. showroom, you weren't going to sell any cars. Yes. Now it's electric. If you don't have an electric car, you're not in the game. And That's true. I think it's important to remember too that even though, you know, enthusiasts like us go, well, you know, there's things about EVs I don't like. For the average punter, your rank and file car buyer, they don't care. No. <laughs> no it's it true. Works. Well, and, yes, go for it. No, I was just going to say, it brings me to another another point about all this. And, and, and I'm really getting, I'm disappointed in us. I'm really tired of the, the partisan nature of the, of the EV mm. debate. Yes. Um, it got, you know, if you get on, so God forbid you get on the socials, um, <laughs> you know, someone sticks their head out of the trench and says, I actually just bought an EV. They're a loser. Uh, right. and, and, and everyone who says that as a dinosaur, I mean, you know, we, we have to come up with, with a, you know, a, a better argument than that. We have to be grown-ups about this. It's like politics. There's some good sides to it. There's some bad sides to it. Anyone who says EVs are all rubbish um, must enjoy being woken up by garbage trucks. You know, wouldn't, yeah, would, would not an electric point? Would not an electric point. garbage truck be be a worthwhile endeavour? Uh, if, anyone... if they still have an Allison transmission, they'll still <laughs> wake people up. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> but conversely, anyone who says. Um, um, you know, the days of internal combustion are over uh, and has never redlined a, a 911 GT3 RS or or mm-hmm. driven a, a turbo, a modern turbo hot hatch and, and got six litres per 100 kilometres an hour, uh, per 100 kilometres at a rate of acceleration that would shame a GT phase, ho, That's uh, phase true. three. You know, That's true. Th- there are there are good, th- good things about all these technologies and there are mm-hmm. problems with all these technologies. Can we please stop 
trolling each other. Isn't that, isn't that a great point? I mean, in America, it was typified by the good old boys in their lifted pickups rolling coal through uh, Tesla charge mm. stations. You know, yeah. it was this mm. really yeah. kind of um, gut reaction to yeah. change um, yeah. that, mm. that seems to have been all pervasive over there. And there's a strong element of it here too. I think you're right. I think a lot of those comments, though, do hit on some fairly good points, even if they're worded, uh, you know, not the best. Um, so... Like one, of the, one of the other big issues, so next year we might have the range of electric cars on offer, you know, across the spectrum for most people. But what about things like charging infrastructure? Yeah. Like, you know, when is that Absolutely. going to catch up to a point where they sort of, uh, you know, hit critical mass and it's it, you're not going to have range anxiety like driving your car to and from work? And well, you could, you could go to the old, uh, you know, Technically, uh, supply and demand, if there's demand, people will find a way to make the supply. Um, but mm -hmm. will that happen rapidly enough? I mean, to Dave's point, coal-powered energy seems to be uh, very much in decline. Can uh, greener renewables catch up with, with the demand? I'd say when there's a buck in it, uh, there's every chance mm -hmm. it will. There's also, there's also a case to answer here on, on the part of governments too. You say, yes, we do have a, 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 an EV charging infrastructure shortfall absolutely we do but whose fault is that it's not the fault of the technology you know the technology actually the technology to fix the environment actually already exists right it's we the will it's the will to, to do it, it. Yeah. yes yeah yeah now it's a, it's interesting before we go any further it's interesting harry tran says toyota needs to fix the tires on the toyota bz4x from falling off um, <laughs> apparently there's a recall um overseas mm -hmm. so before it's even got out of the gates but um Tool, you make the point that so far this year, and the, the data we've got is end of August for registrations, yep. 14,500 registrations of Absolutely. electric vehicles. That's 368% up uh, year mm -hmm. on year. And with all of these other newcomers, that's only going to get bigger. So you, you did some comparisons, I think, yeah? I think, I think it's, what first of all, I think it's very important to put that, you know, 380% increase year on year in, into perspective, okay? So yeah. this year is the first year that Tesla have decided to report their sales figures on VFAX. Um, and that has made, you know, that that's part of the reason why there's such a big jump. This time yes. last year, Tesla, you know, Model S, Model X, uh, Model 3 sales were not being reported. It was a mystery. Um, yeah. It was a mystery. So, you know, it's 380% up, sure, but it's on a lower base and it's because Tesla have decided to start divulging their numbers. However, you have made the point that 14,500 sales, however we got there, is more than Audi, uh, more than various other brands, you know, so they're, they're pretty telling figures. It's not an insignificant amount and that number is only going to grow as we move forward. Yeah, so more... Here you go, more than Audi, more than Honda, uh, more than double the number of Jeeps that have been sold. So um, mm -hmm. it's a substantial figure. Um, so the question is, you know, will your next car be electric or will the car I buy after that uh, be electric? And as Richard Berry has said several times, as a motoring journal, he feels like he's living in 2024 because he's just <laughs> that little bit further down the road, you know, where he's experiencing some of the vehicles that people will probably purchase as their car after next. Absolutely. Um, I, th yeah. I think it's just a natural question, right? If you were in the market right now buying a new car, one of the questions that pops in your mind has got to be, when am I going to go electric? Or when am I going to have to go electric? Yes. Um, and if you walk into a showroom now and you have a look around, you might kind of think, maybe now's not the time. There's not enough vehicles or there's nothing in my price point, right? Yeah. Um, come next year, come the year after that, or come your next new vehicle purchase, if that's five years down the road, yeah. 10 years down the road, it's probably going to be electric. 
Yeah. And there's another, sorry, sorry Dave, I was just going to say, it, it's, my view on this is at some point, the infrastructure is and, and renewable power is going to suddenly have the upper hand on $2.50 a litre petrol prices. And, yeah. and at that point, she flips. I reckon and also it's, it's potentially a pincer movement in that you'll have better battery technology, more efficient mm-hmm. motors, uh, yeah. meaning that range will improve, charging times will be better at the same time as, you know, the cost of fossil fuels going up. So it's a, it's a double whammy, maybe. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And, and, you know, it, it, it's going to happen. Anybody who's sitting there saying, ah, oh, I'd rather walk an EV, well, good luck. Yes, right. Enjoy your stroll. <laughs> yes. The, look, another one that, that um, stands out for me, it's been tempting us for so long, is the Rivian. Um, the R1S Tung is the SUV mm-hmm. version. The truck is called the R1T or, or yep. something like that. I'm just thinking off the top of my head. They look fantastic and they're doing reasonably well in the States um, straight out of the box too. Yeah, they're getting fantastic reviews. Um, Doug Demira, not to plug another you know channel out there, but uh, he quite he quite fancies that car. He gave it a pretty high score uh, yep. recently. Yep. Um, and you know, Rivian have always talked about wanting to expand out to markets like Australia specifically. Um, you know, after yes. they successfully gear up in in the US and larger markets like that. Cool. And like like I said with the Kia EV9, you know, even um, segments, vehicle segments, where you think an EV doesn't really make sense. You know, yes. car brands are already thinking about that and already going there. An off-road large SUV like a Rivian R1S or a Kia EV9 to take on a Toyota Land Cruiser or a, yep. or a Nissan Patrol, like well, that's what about, something that you I know, see. Uh, 4D Transit, E-Transit Custom, Peugeot mm-hmm. E-Partner. Um, what's the other one? Mercedes-Benz E-Vito. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. those kinds of light commercial vans that are constantly operating in urban and city environments, um, it seems to make a lot of sense there. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, I, was I, talking to, I was talking to the people from Isuzu Trucks a few weeks ago, and there's give it a year or maybe two years, there will be um, electric electric uh, four and a half ton trucks. Yes, getting around. So wow. they're, all, they're already testing them in Japan um, in, in 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 service. They're yes. not on sale yeah. there yet, but they will be, and and then we'll get them probably a year after that. And as a what it's what for what they call the the last mile. Yes, so it's, it's the delivery yeah. trucks that don't ever stray too far from home base in that distribution network. Yeah, and it's, wouldn't wouldn't you? It's, rather, it's funny because you you look at the driving range of those cars that are on offer, and it's like two hundred and fifty k's, maybe three hundred k's, and you think, exactly. oh, that's that's nothing. That's you know, how on earth could you buy a car with that limited range, an electric car with that limited range? But then you you look at the stats and you realize that um, you know a vehicle like that probably only does about two hundred k's. Yeah. In, in a day, yes. and it's just going to go back to home base and charge up overnight anyway. So that's all you really need. Talking about the trucks, I thought one interesting, what seems to be a bit of a blind alley, was uh, Scania experimenting with a pantograph on top of their prime movers. So you had the the line infrastructure, a bit like a tram or, or whatever, along a section, certain section of highway. I don't think that's gone very far. But Well, <laughs> again, if there is the will, I, I, I drove through, um, and we'll get to this later, but I drove through Outback Queensland recently. Yep. And around Claremont, there's a huge coal mining industry going on. There are thousands of apartments for the workers. There are right. at night, it's lit up like you wouldn't believe. And they have an electric train network in the middle of nowhere to move the coal. We can't, in Melbourne, we can't get an electric train to the airport. They've got, <laughs> they've got one to move brown coal around. There. So, you know what? If That's there's good. enough money in it, they'll build it. 
All right. Well, that's good. Great discussion. We'll, we'll wait for 2023 to arrive and see whether your prophecy comes to pass, Tung. Um, yeah. But it seems as though most of the ingredients are there to make it a distinct possibility. But uh, as of right now, we will go to This Week in News. Okay, so this week in news, uh, Dave, could mm -hmm. I get you, we've got three stories that are clicking uh, pretty furiously um, this week. Could you give us a top line on an Aussie effort that um, caused a lot of um, buzz a little while ago, but seems to have picked up the pace again? It has. It's, uh, it's an Aussie-made ute, which is significant in itself. It's a dual-cab ute. This one, however, is powered by a fuel cell. So... It's high, it has a hydrogen tank. It combines the hydrogen with oxygen. You get water as your only emission and power. Beautiful. Um, it's called the H2X Warrigo, and its uh, its production, from what I can gather, is getting very close. Only catch is you won't be able to buy it in Australia. <laughs> <laughs> it's going, it's going right. to Europe first, okay? Nice. Yep. Don't ask me why, but it is. Um, yep. I guess that's where the hydrogen infrastructure is, you know, yes. really. And we don't have it here yet. It, again, it's another thing we've got to deal with. Um, there's a 200-kilowatt version, a 220-kilowatt version. There's all-wheel drive as an option. Yep. Um, it's got uh, 2,500 kilograms of towing, which is, you know, okay, enough for most people. Yeah. And up to 750 kilometres of range if you get the That's one with the big mm, tank. Pretty awesome. Um, it, it is, isn't it? Uh, Richard Berry's done this story. It's, it's a great read. Uh, okay. And, and it's got a lot of technical details in there too, which I love. Things like the hydrogen tank uh, runs at 700 bar Ooh, to, keep yeah. the, to keep the That's, hydrogen liquid. That's plenty. Cold. That's yes. plenty. Yes. So, so it's full of that sort of stuff. It's a great That's good. So for all the details on the site, and I think it's worth mentioning that there is one among us who has actually uh, consumed some emitted water from a hydrogen fuel cell vehicle. Uh, Tung, I'm Guilty. Looking, I'm looking at you. <laughs> <laughs> yes, I did. I was, I was fortunate enough Toyota invited me down, invited us down, and I went down to um, test drive the new uh, Mirai hydrogen yeah. fuel cell yeah. um, electric car. And, you know, they, the big thing about this is the only thing that these cars emit is like water vapor, which, sure. you know, turns into water, like, which is kind of like excreted at the back. <laughs> um, you know, and there's just a water trail that follows along. Well, I said, if it's just water, can I, can I drink it? And they were like, I, I guess so. Yeah. Um, yep. And it just, it just right. tasted like warm, unfiltered water. Would water. I go back there and have another cup? No. <laughs> Theoretically, it's the purest water you can get. Well, maybe yeah. it's been it hasn't been, it hasn't been tainted by anything. The, the only yeah. thing it's touched is the tailpipe. The pipes. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Interesting. So it, should, it should be beautiful water. Well, that's but that's that, a it's also a beautiful segue to them because uh, <sighs> the story I'd like you to touch on is a Toyota story, and it's a significant one. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. We're staying in the world of Utes on this one, but yep. um, you know, Toyota have made no. You know, they haven't tried to hide the fact that um, uh, they're, they're studying the potential of introducing a new ute into the market, something that will slot in beneath uh, the Hilux. So I suppose they've seen successes from, you know, the Ford Maverick, um, the Hyundai Santa Cruz, which are, you know, uh, monocoque-based um, yep. uh, pickups yep. and, uh, you know, based on their equivalent SUVs um, and more of a lifestyle-orientated sort of vehicle and said, maybe we can do one of those as well. So 
Uh, Byron's written this wonderful story. It talks about um, a Toyota potentially showing off this car sometime next year, yep. um, you know, talking to their dealers and seeing what the interest is going to be like and whether or not they should produce this car. And I, for one, personally think it would be a smash. I agree. I agree. It's interesting. We were only talking about it in the office the other day, um, the the stats that we'd seen previously as to how many Americans allegedly believe Toyota is an American brand uh, because <laughs> they've got so much manufacturing infrastructure in there and they race in NASCAR and, you know, they're, they're mm -hmm. everywhere. They make the big pickups as well. So a vehicle like that would potentially do huge business for them in the States and it would be interesting if it came here. That's really, that's really interesting about the American view that it's an American company. I mean, you know, here it was the opposite. You you had an Australian built Camry, and people said, "No, nah, it's a Japanese car." <laughs> that's right. That's right. All right. That's beautiful. Thanks, Tung. Um, I'll pick it up. Um, it's a, a Chesto story, and we've, we're pretty familiar with the success of the Ram fifteen hundred and the bigger one. I think is twenty five hundred, and and uh, on you go the full size American pickups. But he's onto a story where uh, he's expanding on reports out of the US, uh, Project 291, which is possibly a Ram 1200, or they might call it Dakota, uh, for next year or early in 24. Um, he's got commentary from some Ram senior execs, and, and it will be Hilux and Ranger sized. Uh, so mm. they want a piece of that action too. Your engine options, six cylinders, two turbos. Uh, power outputs to put the Frighteners on Hilux and maybe even Ranger Raptor. Um, we've commissioned a render, so we think we know what it might look like. So if you wanted to to head to the site, all that info is there. <laughs> Typically, Chesto just beavering away, uh, digging up information like that. So have a look if you want to know more. But now we're going to head to this week what will be a very interesting Cars in the Garage. <laughs> Great. Okay. Cars in the garage. Tung, you mm -hmm. have put some of your own hard-earned down for a family vehicle and the colour, for one, is amazing, <laughs> but also it's um, it's relatively recent, not around anymore. Fill us in. Yep. So uh, just a bit of backstory, I suppose, is that, um, you know, my, my wife has been travelling, so uh, it's just been myself and our, our toddler, our two-year-old, for the last couple of weeks, um, which has meant that it's been a bit tricky for me to stay in press cars or, or get the mileage in the press cars that, I'm, that I have had. So I've been driving a lot of my personal car, which has a car seat in it, and it is a 2011 Toyota Ruckus. Yes. But not just any Ruckus. It is the limited edition Halo variant that comes in the voodoo blue paintwork. Voodoo blue. Now, Halo, that's not a computer shoot 'em up game, is it? <laughs> it is a computer shoot 'em up game as well. But it's not related to this car. No, it's not. Okay, no, gotcha. no. I think think Halo is in like Halo variant, maybe. But yeah, Ruckus was going to be Toyota's Mini or or Kia Soul, mm -hmm. wasn't it? A customizable, aimed squarely at younger people that wanted to mm -hmm. make it their own. Does your car bear any of uh, of that? Was there any customization on it? No, no. Luckily, I managed to to purchase this one off a gentleman, uh, an older gentleman, because as youthful uh, as they tried to make this car, because right. they priced it so high. I mean, it's it's based on a Toyota um, Corolla, same platform, yep. Yep. with four speed um, automatic gearbox from you know the Corolla of that era, and it has a two point four liter engine that was in the Camry, I believe. Okay. Um, yeah. But, it was positioned and priced above the Corolla. So a lot of young people, a lot of first car buyers, they just went for that car instead. And 
this bigger, boxier, roomier ruckus ended up falling in the hands of, uh, you know, an older crowd. Well, you guys correct me if I'm wrong. I think that was a um, what tripped up the Kia Soul as well. It had a lot of potential, but it came in here and it was, uh, it was pretty exy. Um, absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. All right. And I you're mean, happy with it so far, Tung? Oh, it's so good. So good. That Toyota reliability, despite the fact that it's more than 10 years old. Yeah. Uh, I cannot believe the room and the space um, and the engineering that has sort of gone into creating, um, you know, the, the inside of that car. It's, it's wonderfully, wonderfully spacious. Um, only downsides is the uh, gas struts on the boot starting yeah. to give out a little bit. Um, and look, let's be honest, the multimedia system in there is, is, is really dated. You can have those regassed. Although I'd imagine replacements wouldn't be too too substantial, but yeah, yeah. fantastic. About, yeah. 60, about 60 bucks online for a set of struts. All right, do and, that. And, and I'm absolutely <laughs> tickled to think that you think a 10-year-old car's old. <laughs> yeah, that's right. <laughs> yes, that's, it's just run in. <laughs> just run yeah. in. Now, thank you, Tung. Um, speaking of just run in, Dave, you've been driving a vehicle on something more than a trip to the local shops. Um, it's it's got some kilometres under its wheels, and you had a great trip with it. Tell us about it. I yeah, I did the 2022 Victorian Variety Club Bash uh, about four weeks ago, and it ran from Melbourne to Cairns via um, Broken Hill, via Mount Isa, via wow. Gold, so in England, gotcha, and yeah. then and then across to Cairns. Uh, so it was about, I think it was about five or six thousand. No, seven thousand kilometres all up, uh, and then we turned around and drove it home. So we did we did about eleven thousand k's. We drove home in in three days, three hours too. Oh, and this wow. is a, a two sixty yeah W one twenty four. This is the thing because all bash cars have to be a minimum of thirty years old. Yep. So we had a nineteen eighty nine W one two four Mercedes Benz three hundred e two point six. Nice. Nice yeah, one. yeah, and, and I tell you what, it was the it was the envy of all the other bashes because they had old HR Holdens and Fairlanes with no aircon and terrible seats, and we were cruising along with those beautifully uh, phased, almost suspension seats and, and, oh, yeah. and icy cold aircon. Actually, the aircon was the only thing that gave us any trouble. Uh, oh, now, I'll bear in mind this car has when we got it, it belongs to to my mate, my co-pilot, yeah, an old rally mate of mine, and and when when he bought it, it had two hundred and twenty thousand k's on it, righto. We put 12 mil spaces under the front springs. We put some bash plates on it and we put a tow bar on the front and we called it done. Wow. Uh, and oh, and some, some, some LED lights so we could see what we were about to plot it. <laughs> yes. uh, that was it. Other guys, you know, like a lot of these people, they spent bazillions of dollars jacking the things up and putting them on all-terrain tires. We had a set of like winter tread tires and, and, <laughs> and a roof rack and, uh, you know, talk about right. underdone. But it, the car went beautifully. We, like, we put half, an, half a litre of oil in it. Somewhere near Cairns, that's about it. Um, the thing ran, it did not miss a beat the whole time. The only problem, as I say, was the aircon. And what was happening was when we when we thought it was turned off, so no air was coming through the matrix, it was still the compressor was still running, so it was freezing. Oh wow. And, oh and wow. It was turning the whole the whole heater box into a big block of ice. ice so we had no air. So what we had to do was was basically pull a wire off and we uh, my, my mate ran a switch from the, under the bonnet up through the glove box. You could open the glove box and turn the air off. So Hello, that's, Australia. That Hello, yeah. Australia. That is fantastic. <laughs> it could only have been better if you used a coat hanger and a pair of pantyhose to the, have, for the repair. Uh, yeah, no, well, it didn't take my suit, so that, that, that ruled out the coat hanger and 
I don't think Watto's mad about. But that that five link that five link rear suspension on the back of the oh. W124 would would eat that up. That's that's yeah. fantastic. I'm sure you were the envy. The only issue was it was a bit low in the back because right. we also we had a lot of gear. We had the you know gear for ten days, including camping gear. Yeah. Uh, so we did a bit of on the on particularly on the Birdsville track, we did a bit of grading. Um, okay. With the petrol tank, but and I saw, I saw, we developed a technique where we got one wheel in the ditch and one wheel up on the center, and it was sort of like a a bit of a 200 kilometer 200 kilometer drift drifting yeah. awesome and i saw you had swags you yes. were using uh, fantastic well done they're so good all right now thank you dave um i will finish off i've been in a citron c3 now uh citron um they they're not a big presence in this market that's an understatement but um the c3 is one of their sta- uh, staples it's a five seat hatch looks a bit like an suv but technically i think it's a hatch uh, it's thirty-two thousand and change, thirty-two thousand two hundred and sixty-seven dollars. One point two litre turbo petrol triple, um, eighty-two kilowatts, but two hundred and five newton meters out of a one point two litre uh, three-cylinder engine. Six-speed auto on its front-wheel drive. On the good side, good torque. You know that's that's a lot of pulling power um, from a tiny little engine like that. Great seats. That's a bit of a Citroen uh, hallmark. Generous rear room. You're talking about the ruckus, um, Tung. The, the room in the back of this one is is good too. And the individual design, that's another Citroen trait. And it was universally liked. Wherever I took it, people saw it, they liked it. Things like cool interior door handles that are like off a 1950s uh, set of luggage or something like that. Re- really interesting little details. The minus side, unfortunately, the drivetrain might produce a lot of torque, uh, powertrain, but um, it's quite unrefined. So when you're trying to grease it off the line and just feed in some power or apply the brakes, it's a bit jumpy and you're, you're finding it hard to drive smoothly. Um, there's bugger all cabin storage and the cup holders are definitely made for espressos, not your <laughs> 7-Eleven big gulp. Um, no centre armrest front or rear, odd door bins where you have to kind of lay a bottle down rather than being able to stand it up. The finish I thought was a little bit ordinary. When you lift up the tailgate, uh, at the back there are these little tiny, look like they're made out of tin hooks to hold the dividing barrier. And you can see where the spot welds are and the metal's <laughs> warped a bit where it's been spot welded. And you just think, wow, this is 2022. Um, the claim 5.2 litres per 100. I did eight. Um, so that's not exactly spectacular. I wasn't really wringing its neck. I think it just shows how hard the engine has to work. And a service annual is 505 bucks. Um, which is way more than double what you'll pay for, say, a Corolla uh, or something like that. So, you know, in summation, call me unadventurous, but it's the same money as a Corolla ZR. And by the way, yeah, a Corolla is $205 to service annually. You really have to want this Citroen. I think you have to be a rusted on, uh, I'll choose my words carefully there, but a rusted on uh, Citroen devotee uh, to want this car. So there you go. That's what I reckon. And with that, we have reached the finish line. So uh, thanks to all our listeners and viewers, and thank you, Tung. And thank you. Th- and thank you, Dave. And well done to our production guru, Mr. Brett Sullivan. Uh, he's calling it as he sees it today because the T-shirt he's wearing says, I don't even like the people I like. Um, jump into the conversation. Cars Guide is on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, TikTok, and LinkedIn. Or traditionalists can email us at comments at carsguide.com.au. Listeners, please take a moment to rate and review the show. Five stars would be great. An update for listeners. We're so close to having Apple Podcasts back in action with our own Mr. Pritchard working with Apple to get things back to normal soon. So stand by. And viewers, 
If you're watching on YouTube, make sure to subscribe to the Cars Guide channel so you can stay on top of all our latest content. But before we go, overheard two business types near the service counter at the dealership when I was dropping our family truckster off the other day. Um, one was describing their latest sales presentation with different types of bar charts, Venn diagrams and pie charts. When a fairly greasy technician lurking on the other side of the counter piped up and said, I used a pie chart, pie chart once. It was made out of pie. I used it to gauge how much pie I'd eaten. <laughs> a man after my own heart there. <laughs> That's true. <laughs> You might have had the beer chart going too. <laughs> yeah, maybe. 